May we and all beings trust the Buddha's teachings. May we and all beings have confidence in our Buddha nature. May we and all beings have faith in the generosity and kindness of the world. And good evening again, everyone. Today is the first full day of Rohatsu, our final multiple day retreat or session of the year. And what a year it's been. It's a time when we celebrate the Buddha's awakening by doing the very thing that the Buddha did, sitting, walking, sleeping, eating, sharing a cup of tea with one another. Call that the big theme for this weekend and for the days that follow the weekend. The Buddha's awakening, the Buddha's enlightenment. But there's a theme within this theme for us over the next several days. And that theme is trust. Trust is a word you see often used in the teachings. Another word you see often used is confidence. We have confidence based on our own direct experience that what the Buddha taught is true. That there is suffering, that there are causes of suffering, that there can be an end to suffering. And the end to suffering is realized in many ways. Sometimes we even use the word faith. Though in my experience, it shied away from because it has certain dimensions to it from the Judeo-Christian Islamic tradition. But faith is a word that I'm fond of using, but for the purpose of this talk, I'll mostly be using the word trust. From a certain perspective, you can say that trust is the foundation of our practice. We really can't do this practice without trust. Our root teacher, Koban Chino Roshi, in a Dharma talk given some years ago, said that without a ceaseless, limitless trust in yourself, you cannot sit zazen, even for one minute. I remember the first time I read that, 
I had something close to a panic attack because I wondered what had I been doing for the last 10 years? Because I felt like I did not have ceaseless, limitless trust in myself. If anything, I had great doubt in myself. And this isn't something that is peculiar to Coben, as some things are, but you find it even in Dogen Zenji, the founder of our Soto Zen lineage. Dogen says it's the, only the person with great trust, with great faith, that can enter the Buddha Dharma. If you don't have it, it can't happen. And at least I didn't think I had it because I had great doubt. The kind of doubt that I'm talking about isn't what I might call a surface level doubt, not the kind of doubts that occupy our everyday lives that serve as playthings for some of us. I doubt whether or not what the weather person on the television says about the forecast for this coming weekend is going to unfold. It's not that kind of doubt. I doubt whether or not what so-and-so has to say about Plato is correct. It's not that kind of doubt. It's a doubt that for lack of a better way of putting it is behind these surface level doubts. Perhaps it's best captured in the question, what am I doing here? What am I doing here? I really don't know. Sometimes we hear people ask about what their purpose in life is. Other times people want to know what their life's mission is. It's very difficult, I find, to talk about this kind of doubt, this great doubt that, again, is behind these surface-level doubts, because I feel that at a certain point, language is just insufficient to capture this feeling that at least some of us have from time to time. What am I doing here? One way of trying to approach this doubt, this question that's occupied me for the most of this year comes from Joan Sutherland Roshi, who writes the following. Everything, subatomic particles, infants, new ideas, sudden love, black holes, emerges from what she calls the invisible to the visible for a nanosecond, or four scores and 10 years, or billions of years, and then subsides, perishes back into the invisible. 
that invisible isn't somewhere else, but flowing through the universe, through us, constantly. And we are a shimmer of temporary coherence made mostly of this invisible current. And it's a miracle that we remain more or less intact for the duration of a lifetime. Myriad causes and conditions came together to have you appear seemingly out of nowhere in a particular form that yes, will change over the 70, 80, 90, maybe a hundred years you are alive. You are the manifestation of the entire universe in the 10 directions in this particular spot. What are you doing here? We've talked often this year of everything being connected with everything else. That all things inter are, that everything inter is. This is all language from Thich Nhat Hanh on interbeing that we and the whole universe co-arise together. And yet this intimate connection between us and everything else doesn't preclude there being difference. There is, just look around you. We are distinct entities. I'm sitting here. You're all sitting over there. Some of you are sitting far away. Some of you are quite close. But still, there's something that the entire universe is manifesting in this spot, in this moment. That's giving a talk that later this evening will snuggle with his cat that tomorrow morning will wake up with a sore neck and a sore back and still walk up the steps to the zendo to sit zazen. And I can't help as all of this is happening day after day after day, wondering what is this life that is showing up right here, right now? I don't know. I really don't. And that's okay. That's okay. This kind of great doubt that I have does not prevent me from trusting in the Buddha's teachings. It doesn't prevent me from having confidence knowing that I can meet the day and whatever the day might contain for me. It doesn't prevent me from entrusting myself to the universe and having faith in the kindness and generosity that inhere in it. 
And of course, I forget this all the time. But I keep coming back. I keep coming back. It's worth asking at what point, what is this trust that from a certain perspective is fundamental to our practice? And what perhaps less abstractly, less talk about the invisible do we have trust in? There are three main words used for this topic in Sanskrit. And the first is shraddha. We can translate this into English as trust, as certitude, as confidence. When we listen to the teachings and meet the Buddha face to face, there arises trust in us. There arises a confidence that these aren't just nice abstract ideas, but they show up in our life in a real way. The second word that's often used is prasada. And this is the joy and satisfaction experienced when shraddha, trust or confidence manifests in your life. I normally don't work Mondays and Tuesdays, but in order to take a week off to be here to do this sashin, I did. And Monday was terrible. Absolutely terrible. There was a very cool indifference on the part of many people I interacted with, especially while I was at work, trying to make pleasant small talk, and I was just ignored time and again. As though I could have been a machine, a robot, and it would have been the same interaction. And this hurt. And in moments like this and others throughout the year, I've taken refuge in a certain verse that I've mentioned before. It shows up at the end of the Diamond Sutra. A star at dawn, a bubble in a stream, a flash of lightning in a summer's cloud, a flickering lamp, a phantom, and a dream. So is this fleeting world. It's a beautifully poetic way of capturing the truth of impermanence, that everything changes, that this moment too, no matter how joyful or how sorrowful will pass, because nothing lasts forever. So here I am interacting with people who don't even seem to realize that I'm there, that I'm another living, breathing human being. And I'm reciting this verse to myself. 
Then I have some time to excuse myself to the back. I find a coworker, put my head down on their shoulder, express how challenging the last bit of time was, say the verse again, and not five minutes later, is it gone? And I'm back to skipping about the store, my happy, joyful self. It's moments like these that give me confidence in the teachings. And when they show up in a real way, again, not just as abstract playthings, there's a certain joy and a certain satisfaction that I experience. The third word that's sometimes used is adhimukti. Adhimukti. And this is often translated in English as faith or as understanding. This arises when there is complete conviction. Earlier today during service, we read a version of the Buddha's enlightenment story. And upon his awakening, the Buddha says, my deliverance is unshakable. That's complete conviction. There's a feeling present within the Buddha, I must imagine, that cannot be denied. It's not a stubbornness, but something so clear and direct that nothing could shake him away from saying that I and all beings in the great earth have awakened together in this moment. It's present when the teachings aren't just intellectual, but they penetrate your skin, muscles, and bones. When they pierce your heart. Or to borrow a phrase from Dogen, once again, when the whole faith-like body arises, is manifest. Your body and mind are nothing but this complete conviction, this faith. But it all starts when we listen to the teachings and meet the Buddha face to face. And it's that second bit that I want to say something about now. What does it mean to meet the Buddha face to face? I'm sure it can mean many things. But there's a story that comes to mind that I'd like to share with you. There's a story about the Buddha and a gathering at Vulture's Peak. And one of the Buddha's senior students, Shariputra, is pleading with the Buddha to deliver the teaching that everything is Buddha. 
Shariputra says, please, O illustrious one, deliver this teaching. And the Buddha says, no. It's too difficult for people to understand. They're not, they're not ready to hear this. But please, O awakened one, deliver this teaching. No. It's too much. People aren't ready. And Shariputra pleads a third time, and finally the Buddha agrees. Okay, I'll give the teaching that everything is Buddha. And as the story is told, there are hundreds of monks in attendance, and there are hundreds of nuns in attendance, and there are hundreds of lay people in attendance. There are no dragons in attendance. Bummer for some of us. But there's lots of people, and here's the Buddha, he's going to deliver this teaching that everything is Buddha, and he starts to do so, and what happens? People start getting up and leaving in the hundreds. Monks are starting to walk out. Nuns are starting to walk out. Lay people are starting to walk out. And the senior students start to panic, trying to get people to stay put. You can't do this. And the Buddha says, let them go. They're not ready to hear this yet. And that's okay. Their lived experience can't help them see the truth of this teaching at this point, and that's okay. When they're ready, they can come back and hear the teaching again. That's okay. I like this story a lot for several reasons. First, it shows that something we opened this Sashin with last night and that we say is really special about Coben, and I don't doubt that it is, that Coben trusted people, goes back to the Buddha himself. The Buddha trusted people. If they judged, were not ready to hear this, he didn't force them to stay, to sit down, to listen to what he had to say, off they went, and he let them go. He trusted himself to be able to continue to deliver the teaching even though people were leaving. Can you imagine what that would be like? I've never had people just walk out of a lecture I was giving or a talk I was giving, en masse anyways. I can imagine I would really start to lose trust in myself if something like that happened. And then finally, the last bit, everything is Buddha. What does it mean to meet the Buddha face to face? When our life, our present direct experience, which is all there really ever is, shows us, confirms the truth of the teachings. The Buddha encourages us to find out for ourselves whether or not what he has to say 
has any merit to it, to trust ourselves, to trust our experience. This is what we trust. And here too, I find it so challenging to describe what it is that supports this trust in our experience. At times, I can't manage to say anything more than it's just a feeling. A feeling I can't quite describe. But I know that it's there. You know that it's there. It's immediate. It's tender. It's concrete. It's unshakable. It's in these moments when we really trust ourselves and our experience that we meet the Buddha face to face. It's right there. For these kinds of meetings to happen though, at least I find it helpful to be aware of this habit I have, this tendency I have, this almost obsessive compulsion or to use a certain word addiction to categorize things, to put things into boxes, to conceptually carve up the world. That makes it quite challenging to see things as they are, to really attend to the present direct experience that's the foundation from a perspective of the trust that's so essential to our practice. It's really hard, I find, and this comes from Zenke Blanche Hartman, to be open to surprise. I wanna know it all in advance, no surprises. That thing over there, I know exactly what it is. It goes in this box, boom, done with it. Such a compulsion, such a habit, such an addiction seems to take all the wonder and awe out of life. I want to close with offering another perspective on what can happen when you let go of this tendency to know and to categorize and you can be okay with not knowing and the great doubt that might be at the center of your life but is not incompatible with the great faith necessary to do this practice. This comes from Jakusho Kwong Roshi. 
When you take a long hike in the forest and happen to pick up a leaf and look at it closely, you're not judging, you're not conceptualizing, you're not boxing the thing, you're just examining it, exploring the veins in the leaf and its shape. At such a moment, the discriminating mind isn't there. You're not thinking, I dislike this particular kind of leaf, or I wish it were greener. You've picked it up without thought, and you're seeing it as it is. This is your Zenmai, what we sometimes call our beginner's mind. There is a Zen phrase, only don't know. Only don't know. And the wisdom that's so essential to our practice is just one way. The wisdom that's so essential to our practice manifests at least in one way in the don't know mind. Only at the end of conceptual thought does one cross a threshold of wonder beyond the thinking mind. It's like seeing into the vastness of the night sky. Over the next several days, as we continue to celebrate the Buddha's great realization some 25, 2600 years ago, it's going to be dark a lot of the time. And I encourage you to take a moment, if only just a moment, to walk outside to look up and experience the vastness of the night sky. Behold the wonder and splendor that you are a part of and that has created you in this very spot in this moment. And even if you don't know what you're doing or why you're here, perhaps you can trust that that's all right. Thank you very much.